This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Embiid double ball, knocked away Kaminga. Embiid goes to the deck to get it. On the floor, Kaminga ripped it away, throws it ahead for Curry. It's a foot race with Oubre Jr. Curry gets there first and lays it in. Time out, Sixers. And Embiid is down and he's hurt behind the play. And he's holding that left knee. Oh, boy. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game, Warriors Wrap-Up starts now. Well, that itself was a much-needed win for the Golden State Warriors as they defeat Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers here at Chase Center by a final score of 119-107. You get the tail end of the four-game homestand into the win column. You set yourself up now for a five-game road trip, which begins on Friday. A little bit of rest to get healthy as the Golden State Warriors themselves, even shorthand more so than they already were, beat a Sixers team that this evening um, did come in and shot about 43% from three-point range, turned the ball over 16 times. Uh, but the Warriors, I-, I thought in this basketball game, really flipped the script from first half to second half, and they did it with their starting lineup. That is probably my biggest in-game takeaway. And of course, we're going to hear from Steve Kerr later on in the program. He's on the podium right now, uh, speaking about Draymond Green's impact from what I saw. Stephen Curry, who had 25 points in the second half, ended up with 37. Jonathan Kaminga scoring 20 points for a seventh straight game. He looks like a guy that is going to be in the starting rotation, a productive member of this organization for a very long time. And it could not come at a better time for the Warriors. This type of win against a team that is fourth in the Eastern Conference. We'll get into some of the Philly side of things uh, that I thought was a little bit interesting, specifically revolving around their MVP candidate, Joel Embiid. But first and foremost, this was a game here on Warriors Live that I felt revolved all around the starters. I mean, from the jump, they basically told you that their starting five was going to have to win this basketball game. And you just look up and down the box score. You see 35 minutes for Steph. That's above his average. You see 39 minutes from Jonathan Kaminga. You see 38 minutes from Andrew Wiggins. 
the two wings were absolutely sensational in this basketball game. 19 for 29 combined from the floor. Wiggins was a plus 18. I thought he played his most efficient basketball game of his season, perhaps the best basketball game of his season with five rebounds to go along with four assists, two steals, and just one turnover from Wiggins. Kaminga was engaged. He was getting up and down the floor. He was attacking the interior. He was also providing help on defense. The Warriors as a team had seven blocks in this basketball game, two of which from Draymond. But as a whole, this was a team that was defending the rim, that was protecting the cup, and against a team with Joel Embiid, that is not an easy task to do, especially being a starting five in which your five, your starting center, stands six foot nine inches or six foot seven inches, pardon me, in Draymond Green. So they needed a collective effort to in basically keep the Sixers out of the paint. I thought they did a pretty good job of that as a whole. They also got to the free throw line 19 times as a team made 17 of them. They shot 50 above percent from the floor. 56% to be exact. They are now 10-2 and two this season when they shoot 50% plus from the floor. Also poured in 14 threes, eight of which courtesy of the chef, Stephen Curry. But this was a game that the starting lineup had to go out and win. And you get the late news that Klay Thompson is out with an illness. And so Brennan Pajemski steps in. Forgot to mention him. 36 minutes from pods. I thought he played a little bit of an up-and-down game, but really steadied the ship at certain times, especially playing with the rest of those young guys off the bench. The Warriors played 10 men tonight, two of which I I don't know if you could have foreseen the amount of minutes they got. Corey Joseph, yes, has been getting time, but 13 minutes for him off the bench. And then Lester Quinones, who got 11 minutes. The C-Dub all of a sudden coming out as a two-way player, is getting some run, rotation minutes. I was sitting alongside my guy Kevin Dana, who calls a great game for the G League Warriors down in, in, Santa's, in Santa Cruz. Also catch him on Warriors Roundup once a week on here on 95.7 The Game. But I was sitting next to him. The moment Lester Quinones threw in that corner three, just grabbed me and said, oh, it's, you know, it's like it's like seeing one of your kids step up to the big leagues and get his first hit. So Quinones played a part in the win tonight. Um, the, but the bench itself did not do a whole lot. Again, this win was because of what the starting five did for the Golden State Warriors, and that is not something that we can say has happened a whole lot this season. I understand that Philly, it was playing; they're playing their third game in four nights. I thought Embiid as a whole was playing injured in this game, and unfortunately, Kaminga landed on his knee with 4-0-4 left in the ball game. He ended up leaving, having to limp to the locker room after a season-low 14 points, probably the worst game that Joel Embiid has played this entire NBA season, and it happened to come here at Chase Center tonight. I thought it was something that was partially due to the fact that he should not have been out there in the first place. I thought it was partially due to the fact that the Warriors had clearly set a tone defensively in the first quarter, even despite Draymond Green not being out there because he picked up two fouls in the first two minutes of the game. But they decided that Joel Embiid was not going to be someone that they would let get into the paint. They would pretty much give him every single jump shot that he wanted. I couldn't recall one time in which Embiid tried to take someone off the dribble and into the paint. So that was partially because I think he was nursing the knee injury, which kept him out the last two games, uh, but also because the Warriors invited him to take jump shots. He can be an elite mid-range shooter. He's shooting north of 35%, I think, from three this season. So he can knock down long-range shots. But the Warriors said, if that's how you want to beat us, go for it. Just take as many Jays as you want. And in fact, they pretty much, and and I thought this was a brilliant defensive strategy, they encouraged Philadelphia to play one-on-one as a whole. Everyone on that team. 
Now, it worked out for Tobias Harris. He had 26 points on 10 of eight, on 18 shooting, along with 10 rebounds. Tobias got his. Uh, Korkmaz even got, got active in the second half. He had 19 points, much of which in the second half on just eight shots. But the Warriors defensively said, Philly, if you only go one-on-one, that's completely fine. And the category that demonstrates that defensive, I think, type of, I, I don't know if it's just, you know, kind of encouragement, but the Philadelphia 76ers had five assists through three quarters. That means you're not moving the basketball. That means you're trying to do too much individually. And the Warriors just kept encouraging it while also keeping their feet in front, while also being able to defend in the paint, and basically just saying, Philly, do whatever you want. I mean, they had 16 turnovers, and Beat had half of them. Uh, I thought they turned the 76ers from a defensive standpoint into a one-on-one basketball team. And this definitely wasn't the Sixers' best game. I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. But for the Warriors, who their issue has primarily been on the defensive end of the court, and this is another thing, too, I think you have to credit the starting lineup. I think you have to credit someone like Draymond Green being in the mix. As much as we have maligned him for his own actions throughout this season, having missed pretty much, I think, 20 or 22 games due to his own actions. When he when he's come back, he has been very good for this team. And I thought he set the tone defensively when he was out there on the floor, specifically in the second half. I mean, the first half, the Warriors were up and down. Like, they turned the ball over seven times in the first quarter. They had double-digit turnovers at the tail end of the first half. It's the reason why they shot 65% in the first quarter, trailed by five and then ended up getting back into the game, took the lead, and by halftime, it was a two-point ball game. And you're looking up, and you felt like Golden State had played a pretty good game. They had shot it well. They got activity from their wings. Kaminga and Wiggins were engaged, and Steve Kerr's starting lineup that he continues to roll with, and I think he will continue to roll with, assuming that Klay Thompson is back from illness on Friday against Memphis. Uh, This starting lineup and the quote-unquote commitment to it that he talked about I thought was absolutely huge. So, if you want to hop in, get into the conversation. Warriors wrap up here on 95.7 The Game. Evan Giddings with you. We want to hear from you at 888-957-9570. That is the number. Also the number for the Comcast Business Text Line. We'll see you out there. What's going on on YouTube? Shout out to Devil Marge. What's going on? I see Carson Turner, uh, OROC1. <laughs> yeah, I see you out there. Um, Bobby Light. Yes, we are putting in those hours, my man, earlier on today on Steiny Guru, and then, of course, here with you on Warriors Wrap-Up. So we appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you very much as people continue filing. Uh, it's late here on a Tuesday, but I, I thought that was that was a solid win for the Golden State Warriors and a win that, again, you, you can't really sugarcoat. Like, they need Ws, right? And you you, you need, at this point, to, to just find a way to, to put together victories. I mean, right now... The, the record is what it is for the Warriors, and you're looking at right now 20-24, and 24, so still 12th place in the Western Conference, you know, game and a half behind the Houston Rockets. You're looking at two games behind the 10 seed, essentially, at this point, and you need victories, number one, to try and get yourself back into playing contention and try and make something of this season, uh, but number two, because you don't have a whole lot of time left before the deadline. Th- this was a big win from the standpoint of, if you're looking for a reason to hold on to hope and hold on potentially to pieces before the the February 8th trade deadline, this was a game, and these are going to be games the next four, I would say, after this, that you're going to look at and say, okay, what is this season going to be, and how are we going to turn this thing around internally? 
if you don't think that there are pieces you can go out and acquire, and we can go down the list later on in the program if you'd like. I know I kind of teased it on Warriors Live. I don't think there's a big boy out there that's all of a sudden going to save the season. But there are potential pieces out there, the Warriors, or types of pieces out there that the Warriors might be able to identify that could help them try and get back on the right track. I'm not saying it's going to look like a 2021-22 Boston Celtics turnaround in which I believe they were under 547 games through their season before they eventually, of course, made a run, ended up getting to the NBA Finals before they lost to Golden State. But last year, I think the Los Angeles Lakers were in 12th or 13th place at the trade deadline. They were 10 games below 500. They made their moves and eventually made a run to the conference finals. Uh, There is an example this season of the New York Knicks, who were playing decent basketball, but they go out and acquire OG Ananobi, and they send out two pieces that a lot of people liked in that town, which was R.J. Barrett, along with specifically Emmanuel Quickly. Since then, they're 14-2, and and they've been the best defensive basketball team in the league. So it isn't as if, now I know OG Ananobi's a quality player, um, but to make a move at the deadline doesn't just mean you're making a move to set yourself up for the future. Who knows? It could be the catalyst or a spark for a potential run. And I think the Warriors are trying to prove to themselves before the trade deadline that they have what it takes, whether it's a move or a non-move, to get this thing corrected, at least to try and make a run to get into that that 8-7 to seven seed range area. It's going to be difficult at this point with the amount of um, kind of dirt that they've covered themselves with to make a run at the, the six or five. But then again, you rattle off, you know, seven of eight. You go eight and ten. You start to piece together some wins like they did tonight. You look up and down at the starting five who are starting to stabilize this team, starting to play better. You get guys healthy. Moses Moody looks like he's going to be coming back sometime very soon during this road trip. Chris Paul's a couple of weeks away. Do you move him? Do you not? You look at someone like Gary Payton II that you can bring back into the fold. How are all these pieces going to mix and match when it looks like I think Steve Kerr has found the starting five that he probably should have given a look at all along? And the reason why I say that is, yes, I mean, the, the Lakers, I thought the starting five played really well. Obviously, tonight against the top four team in the Eastern Conference, they were the reason why this game was won. Uh, the second unit for a second consecutive game has been outplayed, and that's not a shock. Dario Saric, two points. I think he's an up-and-down offensive player, although he did have seven assists. He was moving the ball well uh, during his 16 minutes. Trace Jackson Davis gave you some punch off the bench with six points and four rebounds. But largely, the combination of Saric, Trace Jackson Davis, Corey Joseph, even Lester Quinones, who is a technically a scorer-esque type of player, um, they're not going to give you a ton of offensive firepower. Even when Chris Paul comes back, Clay Thompson goes back in the starting lineup. Even Pajemski is not a score-first type of player. So how is that second unit going to score? I would say they're not going to score consistently, and it's going to be on this starting five to figure out how to put together these type of consistent performances on both ends of the floor because that to me is the most important part about a game like tonight not just that you were hitting threes and as a starting unit you ended up with 13 of the 14 but you were also playing defense you were also keeping guys in front of you you were forcing turnovers they were getting steals they got seven blocks as a collective this team played good five-man defense 
with that starting unit without Clay Thompson in it. So I'm curious what people feel like at 888-957-9570. Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Let's get out to uh, Junior in Pacifica. Junior, get us going here on Warriors Wrap-Up. How you doing, my man? All right, man, Evan. Good to hear from you. Thank you. And I, I just got to say, we got to divide players into three groups. There's the current slash past players who are doing well but past their prime. There's the mm-hmm. current slash future players who deserve investment to grow. And then there's glue players who keep us going. And we got to emphasize the first two groups. We've got to emphasize those who hold the standard up and might help us win one more title and those who are going to be with us in the future and minimize the glue players who kind of keep it going in the short term. And I, I think I saw a lot of that tonight. I want to see more of it. But if we have to sacrifice this year, um, let's, you know, let's not fool ourselves that we're on a championship run this year. Let's, let's do what's necessary. If we do the play-in, it's to get experience, not to uh, try to, like, hit a double bank shot of, of winning. And let's set ourselves up for next year and uh, a couple more years of Curry's prime. Thanks, Junior. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the question for me – as it relates to you know setting yourself up for next season, is the, the poster boy for that is Andrew Wiggins. And, and I'm curious what people think about this, because this is something that sort of hit me throughout the game. I think probably Wiggins' most efficient game of the season, you can make your argument it was his best game of the season. I thought he was attacking. I thought he was active defensively. And he's now, more importantly in my mind, put together a now five-game stretch in which he scored double digits in all of them, and it looks like he has been engaged. That's something that's been up and down and a bit of a seesaw with Wiggins, but 8 for 10, hit his 1-3, got to the line, and made all six free throws, also active on the glass on the defensive side, moved the rock, had a couple of steals as well as a block, plus 18 in 23 minutes is nothing to scoff at, or pardon me, in 38 minutes with 23 points is nothing to scoff at. So my question to you is, with Wiggins, and in my mind, his stock is rising. Now, I read earlier today uh, from Anthony Slater of The Athletic that the Warriors have received calls about Wiggins, and it sounds like it's kind of a player-to-player trade that would be viable for Golden State. So, is Andrew Wiggins' stock rising for the Warriors, as in they're going to keep him, and they want to try and see if they can salvage the two-way Wigs that had been there two and a half years ago, um, or is his stock rising for someone else? And are they trying to get to the point where Wiggins can be a trade piece and bring you something back for the future like Junior's talking about while also having his stock rise? You can get a better piece if he's playing well as opposed to the Wiggins who had kind of been a no-show and had been relegated to a bench role. Sometimes he starts, sometimes he closes, sometimes he doesn't. He was just so up and down throughout the majority of the season that now we've seen finally five games from Wiggins in which he has been scoring consistently, in which he has been shooting it a lot better, and I think he has had a different mindset, or at least it looks like he's playing with a different mindset because he's also been active in other statistical categories. So if you want to talk about that, 888-957-9570 is the number. Is Andrew Wiggins' stock rising for the Warriors or for someone else? Let's continue on the phone lines here on 95.7 The Game and bring on from Mill Valley, Ronan. What's going on, Ronan? How are you doing? What would you think of the game tonight? Hi. Hi. Um, I went to the game, and I was just saying how 
I thought that uh, Draymond had a great game offensively and defensively. And I also think that Joel and B getting hurt like, in the game uh, definitely affected the outcome of the game. Appreciate that, Ronan. I think you're spot on, my man. That's a great call. Feel free to call in any time. We're happy to hear from you. I'm glad that you had a great time with the game tonight, and especially that the Warriors got a win for you. So thanks for, for joining us here on Warriors Wrap-Up. This is what I'll say about Joel Embiid, and it's not so much about Embiid himself. Shame on the Denver Nuggets, specifically Mike Malone, for calling Joel Embiid out for not playing over the weekend in a meaningless regular season game. You know why? Because clearly this dude was hurt. He wasn't ducking the smoke. It wasn't like he didn't want to play against the Nuggets. Anybody who watched that game this evening, and again, he didn't play in Portland last night either. He was trying to give it a go tonight. It didn't work. Anybody who watched that game from the start could tell that Joel Embiid was not 100%. He was trying to play through pain. At some point, he even left to go to the locker room in the first half. He came back. He was limping up and down the court at times. He was clearly settling for jump shots. He didn't want to take anyone off the dribble. Some of that, yes, is the Warriors giving him and inviting him to take the easy way out. I think another part of it was he just simply wasn't 100% tonight. And this guy was taking any and all shots to get back. He wasn't playing defense. He was lackadaisical with the basketball. He had eight turnovers. Joel Embiid was not the MVP that we have come to know and understand. And I think it's because of all the chatter and all the noise that we've heard from people saying, well, he's not the real MVP if he doesn't want to play in Denver. Oh, he's got to get to 65 games to satisfy to satisfy the CBA in order to qualify for the award that right now he's the front runner for, the MVP. Those kind of conversations, those kind of, uh, I don't know, just idiotic sort of narratives to me around Joel Embiid or why he played tonight and potentially why he might have gotten himself hurt. So that's all I have to say about Embiid. Uh, he's a player I love to watch play basketball. I'm sad that he got hurt tonight. And I do think you're right, Ronan. I do think it played a role um, in the Warriors' win this evening. But I think it's also because the Warriors put pressure on all of the Sixers in addition to Embiid, who couldn't really do it by himself as he so has been able to uh, throughout the season. So appreciate the call. The other part of the call, Ronan, which I, I'm glad you brought up too, was Draymond Green. And I know I touched it about it over the top. Uh, or off the top of the program, to me, Draymond Green, well, number one, he looks fresh. wonder why. Hasn't played a lot of basketball this year, and that's his fault. But the Warriors, I'm sorry, they're a better basketball team with Draymond Green. And I know that right now they're not a championship-caliber team. Right now with their record, they're not even a play-in team. But you can't tell me watching the game tonight and really watching the games in which he's played since he's been back he is now a plus 83 in 152 minutes. That includes plus 18 tonight. He was a plus 31 on Saturday against the Lakers in double overtime. And Curry clearly likes having Draymond Green back. I mean, in the second half, when they were in sync, Curry was hitting threes. Dre was setting screens. He was looking for him. Curry had a quiet 37 points in a very efficient manner against a team that I'm sure came into the game looking to try and shut down Steph, and they couldn't do it. When, since Draymond Green has come back, by the way, and this is another thing that's, that's kind of flown under the radar, yes, 
Draymond Green is a plus 83 in 152 minutes since coming back. Dare I say he even kept his cool tonight after collecting two early fouls in the first two minutes. Of course, he, he's probably the only person that could get a foul off the jump ball, and then he gets a foul on a meaningless uh, swipe You know, with 10 minutes and 14 seconds left in the first quarter, and he's already got to go to the bench. But he comes back in, he keeps... A cool head throughout the game. He's playing defense. He tossed away a shot from Tobias Harris in the second half. And most importantly, he has set up Steph Curry. For the third straight game, Steph has 30 points. I don't think it's coincidence that when Draymond Green comes back, number one, the defense gets better. 114.7 was the defensive rating against the Los Angeles Lakers. That's below league average. Tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers team that can fill it up, 109 points allowed. That, to me, is the Draymond Green effect being seen both on the defensive side of the court, limiting good offensive teams or efficient offensive teams, as well as activating number 30. When 30 goes for 30, the Warriors are going to win more times than not. When he scores 30-plus, they have, they're 12 and 7. When he scores 35 or more, the Warriors are now 6 and 2. And Draymond Green plays a big role in that. And that's why, unequivocally, you can say that the Warriors are a better team with him. Will they be a championship team this season? Unlikely. Very unlikely. But to have him back in the fold and have him fresh is something they absolutely need if they're going to try and get back into this play-in and potentially play-off hunt. So, 888-957-9570 is the number. Let's bring on Gabriel in San Francisco. Welcome to the program, Gabriel. How you doing? How you doing? I'm doing great. Just came back from the game. Uh, first, I want to say Curry is just a magician, and we need to savor every game of his. He's like a Joe Montana-type figure, uh, Barry Bonds-esque, you know, just out of this world. So I just wanted to start there. And, um, you know, you asked the question on what should this team do. I think we should keep Wiggins. Hmm. Draymond being back has made the Wiggins-Kaminga pair very doable and turned into a, a positive plus-minus as opposed to a negative plus-minus. I think Wiggins has dealt with some tough stuff in the past couple of years, and more contiguity and more run with, uh, like, a stable lineup is good for him. Mm -hmm. um, I think if we are going to make a move, unfortunately it's going to be, I think we should maybe trade Chris Paul. As much as I love Chris Paul on this lineup, he's, like, an expiring deal. But I think continuity is important in this league. Um, what do you think about that? Good call, Gabriel. I like it. I mean... <sighs> The, the Wiggins thing I've gone back and forth on a lot. <laughs> Shocker. People have come back and forth on Wiggins. Chris Paul, to me, coming into the season, and I think I said this before the year, but he, to me, was the likeliest guy to get dealt no matter what. I think he's also a guy that can fetch you something decent. Like, if you pair $30 million as an expiring deal with a future first-round pick, whether you want to give up capital or not, the Warriors' first-round picks, I think, are viewed as very valuable by the rest of the league right now. So you might actually be able to turn Chris Paul into a different type of, um, I don't know, secondary score, maybe a, a tertiary score, someone who can defend, potential big. I think they do lack size, and I would like to see them potentially go out. You know, maybe someone like Nick Claxton in Brooklyn can help them. I know Jared Allen's name has been floated from Cleveland. I'm not saying that the salaries match up. I haven't done the math yet, but just like guys that 
are able to rim run, protect the rim, and give the Warriors some size. So Draymond Green doesn't have to be the five against every single team in this league. Even though tonight I thought he held his own against Joel Embiid, he clearly has been able to hold his own against the Towers uh, in Los Angeles. So I think Chris Paul is probably the guy that's most likely to be moved. Even though you're right, um, Car... Cardavo, pardon me, on the YouTube chat powered by First NorCal Credit Union. He does help the second unit, but if you're starting five, again, right now, the starting five that I'm looking at, I mean, Pods was in tonight because Clay was was sick, but the starting five of Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Kaminga, Draymond, that to me is your highest ceiling in your starting five. I think it gives you your best two-way type of versatility, being able to switch defensively, being able to stretch teams out, you have shooting on the floor. You have interior attackers in terms of Wiggins, but mainly Kaminga. You obviously have the shooters and Steph and Clay. I think that's their best potential lineup, their best potential five. But where does Chris Paul fit into that? I mean, to me, I think Kerr is going to be tempted to to get him in the in the in the finishing five because he wants someone who can take care of the ball, but. I almost think with the way that this starting lineup has been looking and the way that I think it has a potential to grow, I don't know if Chris Paul fits into that. And if Chris Paul is your sixth-man point guard, sure, he can he can help the second unit. I think he could probably activate Sharich. Having him run pick-and-roll with someone like Trace Jackson Davis is always good to have. Um, he allows Pajemski to slide over the two, and maybe he can turn into more of a, a score as far as a pass-first player. So he, he does fit, no doubt about it, but... I just think with how much he could fetch for the Warriors that could bring in someone that could either start, someone that could be a scorer off the bench. Right now, I don't see if Kaminga's in the starting lineup, and he should be, and I'll get to him more in a moment. If he's in the starting lineup, you don't have much scoring off your bench. And so if someone like Chris Paul could be turned into a sixth man or a scorer, I think that could help the Warriors. And I'm sure they're weighing that as he makes his way back from hand surgery. The Wiggins thing, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, and I'm not completely off of it yet, but he's definitely persuading me to keep him around. I felt like the best-case scenario a couple weeks ago when Wiggins was really down in the dumps was this. Essentially, he plays himself into more value, and the Warriors can get off the final three years of his deal. That is something that I might be coming back around on. Not because I, I'm just I think this is who Wiggins is, and he's all of a sudden going to turn into a 15 point per game score again. But I wonder if he has more value to the Warriors than to someone else. Like if they flip him, I'm not sure if the fetch or if the value you get back for him is enough to be worth sending him out. If, if that kind of makes sense. Like I'm not sure if if Wiggins goes out and gets you a big boy that can help you this season. Also, the other part is, too, because looking ahead at the schedule, now, of course, they could come cratering down to earth on Friday, and we're all back to square one. But if you just look at this five-game road trip, and we've been asking for the Warriors to put together some semblance of winning basketball consistently, they really haven't done that since their five-game win streak in December. But that was only the course of seven days. We want to see over the course of time. Again, they have not had a plus 500 winning month of basketball since October. They were three and one, and then they went six and nine in October, six and seven in December, involving a five game win streak. And then they were four, pardon me now, five and seven after the win tonight to end January. So 
if it looks like they're starting to turn a corner, now that doesn't mean, again, they're getting back into championship contention, but if they can turn a corner during the beginning of this road trip, then I do think you have to reconsider keeping Wiggins because Lakeup also hasn't made any comments about how he's not paying for this right now. If he's willing to continue to foot this bill, then looking ahead to the summer, you might have a couple of pieces move in and out, but mainly you look at, okay, what's coming up? Memphis on Friday, Atlanta on Saturday, Brooklyn on Monday, and then I think Philly again next Thursday and finish with Indiana on the 8th of February. But you got three games coming up that are very winnable. You already beat Atlanta here at home. You've already beat Brooklyn here at home, although I think they had a nice win against Utah uh, by 33 points the other night. And, of course, you have Memphis on Friday. I, for one, just don't believe the Warriors are going to th- are going to lay two eggs in Memphis in the same season because you're probably going to be playing the Memphis Hustle, a.k.a. their G League team, yet again. So if you can put, if you can stack together these wins, well, right now, if you go across the five-game road trip, you go 4-1 and one, entering the trade deadline, then there's going to be some tough decisions to be made by Mike Dunleavy Jr. about where this team is going. I just, I, I, I'm not sure that they're willing to pull the plug on this thing yet, even though they have very little time to make that decision. So it, it's a delicate spot for the Warriors. And sure, they're four games under 500. They're no by, they're by no means a, a great basketball team right now. But if you do believe in this starting five, and Steve Kerr said before the game he is committed to it, the starting five of Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Kaminga, Draymond, then maybe you do see beyond the trade deadline what this thing has in store for Golden State. So 888-957-9570 is the number. Evan Giddings with you on Warriors Wrap-Up. Let's get out to San Francisco. Bring on Mark. Mark, my man, how we doing? Oh, good, Evan. Thank you. Just from the game. Um, I like that starting lineup that started tonight. Like, I love Clay Thompson, but, you know, when he, those guys with that championship year in the first part of the season, they were rolling without Clay before he came back. When he came back, there was a, a grace period where he was trying to get better. But I, honestly, during that playoffs, just like last year's playoffs, he almost shot us out of both of the playoffs. I love Clay, <laughs> but he, he's not, in my opinion, he's not fast enough to be in the starting lineup, in this starting lineup. And Draymond's worth every bit of that $100 million for four years or whatever he got. Clay turning down that two-year offer, if that's true, for $48 million, he's overestimating his value as is. I love what he was, but he no longer is. And that's just the reality of it. And I don't know if, if Curry and, and Kerr will go for that, but that's what I see. I mean, tonight they were, they were moving faster and more efficiently without Clay. Period. That, that's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah. No, no, thanks, Mark. I, I think it's... Look, I think it's fair. Um, I think it's a good observation. They definitely can play with more pace with someone like Pajemski. I mean, he's younger. He's quicker. He's faster. I still think that Klay Thompson is a necessity for this basketball team because although they did fill it up tonight, I mean, I I think that Klay can be a part of also this sort of defensive effort. Um, I mean, we, we saw Pajemski make some eff- make some 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 rookie mistakes. I just think that in a league that values three-point shooting, you really need guys that can make and, and can get hot from three. I'm not saying that Clay is the perfect player anymore, and there's going to be some tough decisions to be made at the end of the season, but Sham Sharani has said that everyone's on the board of the trade deadline except for Curry. I would be more inclined 
as crazy as it sounds after a game like this, I'd be more inclined to move off of Wiggins than I would off of Clay Thompson. I mean, if you're really making me choose, and that's that's the way I feel, partially because of my my sentimental connection to Clay Thompson, as well as I think Stephen Curry's sentimental connection to Clay Thompson, but also just because I can't count on the three point shooting of the rest of the roster. And to your point, Mark, no, you're absolutely right. Like Clay Thompson shot them out of a couple playoff games and specifically game six against the Lakers. He has done that before. But I just think that right now, because they don't have another credible three point shooter on the roster, like their two best three point shooters in front of Steph are Draymond Green, who I don't necessarily trust to go two of four every single game, and Dario Saric, who tonight was pretty much a no-show, and I think quietly has been getting outplayed a lot in recent memory. So they don't have very many dependable three-point shooters outside of Steph, and Pajemski is a, is a decent three-point shooter. I think he's shooting 37%, but he's not a pull-up guy, and to me, Klay Thompson is a much more credible marksman than he is at this point in his career. Kaminga, you like him taking three threes a game, Wiggins, you like him taking two or three threes a game, but you need guys that can hit threes at a higher volume in this day and age. I know that they held the 76ers to 107, but this is a Warriors team that I've seen, even sometimes with Draymond Green, give up 70 points and a half, give up 70 points in second halves of games, give up 40 points in a quarter, and sometimes other teams just get hot. Like Other teams sometimes just make threes, or attack the rack, or like the Lakers, get to the free throw line, maybe get a nice whistle. You need guys that can basically weather the storm offensively. And I think Klay Thompson is decent enough at this point. He's also got some size to him to be able to handle himself on the defensive end. So I understand what you're saying about the speed and the pace with which they played tonight. But I also think that's something they can do with Klay Thompson. I also like how it moves Pajemski to the bench because right now you don't really have much from your second unit. And I think Pods is someone that can provide a little bit of a punch, even when Chris Paul comes back, being able to help orchestrate, move the ball, and allow other players to get some easy shots to kind of fill the void offensively from that second unit now that Kaminga is playing with the starting five. So 888-957-9570 is the number. Let's keep this thing rolling here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Evan Giddings with you after the Warriors beat the Philadelphia 76ers 119-107, to now 20-24 and on the year. 500 at home, but they get a big win over the four seed in the Eastern Conference before they hit the road for five. Let's get out to Oakland and bring on Ryan. Ryan, my man, how you doing? Good. How you doing tonight? Oh, fantastic, man. Man, uh, that game was good, man. I watched the whole game, and uh, and I and I'm actually really confident with the Warriors. I feel like I feel like Wiggins and and Chris Paul, I think, is a good trade for a potential big. And keep Clay, Dre, and Steph exactly what you said about Clay. Keep them because we need that other solid three-point shooter. And for the future, just give Kaminga his freedom and give him that Wiggins role and give him that full, like, you go get it. We don't got Wiggs. You go get the points that Wiggs was getting. You go get – you play the defense that Wiggs was – be that two-way player. I feel like that – I feel like getting the big, though, would put us back into, like – Put us more in a more competitive nature, mostly with uh with the way the league is going, with uh with bigs now. I feel like we do need that big, and you know we did draft Wiseman, and I feel like if he lived up to his potential, we'd be in a different place. But mm-hmm. I mean, all in all, I feel like we do need that big, and 
Uh, Kuminga takes a Wiggins roll, and uh, yeah, that's about it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Now, I mean, I'm looking up and down at you know some some bigs that would possibly be on the market for the Golden State Warriors, and um, you know, there, there's just not a whole lot of centers out there. I mean, the, the guys that I'm going to throw at you are <laughs> are not exactly you know big names. Um, I, I mentioned Nick Claxton, Jared Allen. Uh, Kelly Olynyk from the Jazz, you know Daniel Gafford for the Wizards, Clint Capella. These are kind of the true centers at the forward positions. A guy like Kyle Kuzma might give you some size, but he might be more expensive than the Warriors want. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich for the Detroit Pistons is a near forty percent three point shooter, six nine, but he's not really a defensive bulwark whatsoever. Um, Harrison Barnes. You know, I, I think he's kind of a wash along with Wiggins. I don't know how, how much of an upgrade he is. You know, I'm just looking at the names of guys that are on the market right now. P.J. Washington for the Charlotte Hornets. So it, there's nobody that's coming out, or I should say coming into the Golden State Warriors and just automatically turning this team around. I think there are a few two-way players that they might be able to look at. Jeremy Grant, but he's got a lot of money tied up in the next four seasons. Uh, with over $160 million due with a five-year deal. He signed this offseason. So, you know, it's it. the Warriors are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place when it comes to the trade deadline. And um, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm inclined to try and go out and get a big, but I, I think Chris Paul is probably your best trade ship in looking to do that just because of how his salary matches up uh, along with what other teams could covet, primarily uh, a contract, an expiring contract, and maybe also a secondary playmaker for their own unit if they're if they're a playoff team looking to make a run. 888-957-9570 is the number. Mark is out in Milbrae. What's going on, Mark? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up. How we doing? What's up, man? Coming back from the game. Uh, finally, we finally saw a complete game for the Warriors where they didn't uh, basically choke it up at the end of, and hand it to the opposing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, really thought they came out some great energy. I know uh, being at the game, a lot of the 49ers there were their courtside tonight, so maybe they gave them a little <laughs> extra juice. But all in all, I, I, I love what I saw. I thought they came out, really set the tempo against an excellent team with the, uh, with the MVP. I know Embiid went out there for a minute, but still uh, typically a guy like him you know, would go off, but they really held him in check. And basically really nobody went off. I thought the defensive was outstanding outside of Tobias Harris. Uh, they really kept everybody else in line, and I just love the balance uh, from the from the Warriors' offense. Uh, Wiggins had one of his best games on both ends of the court. I thought he was incredibly efficient. Kaminga was awesome. So hopefully those two guys could play together because if they could, this is this is a lineup I want to see. Clay, I love you, but uh, I think you his perfect role if he would, you know, put away his ego it would be a six man. I thought hmm. this lineup is what the starting lineup will see with Podemski, Curry. Wiggs, Kaminga, and Draymond. And I thought they really set the tempo there. And they, and then typically what we've seen for the Warriors, especially at Chase, all season is they play well enough with very few exceptions, and then the other team really gets going and they hand the game over. But they really put their foot on the neck of the of Philly and, and close them out. And this is the type, hopefully, I'm hoping, before the trade deadline, they really get on a run here. Because, as you said, the only untouchable is Curry. With all the respect to everybody on this team, Curry's the only warrior lifer. Obviously, we love Clay and Draymond, but we if it comes to push comes to shove, if there's an offer on the table outside of Curry, everybody is tradable. So, hopefully, a win like this over one of the best teams in the league 
really gets them going because they got a stretch here with some winnable games. And I want to get your thoughts on can they really get it together and get on a run here, or are they going to disappoint us and have some <laughs> terrible losses they have no business losing to? I'll take your thoughts on that. Appreciate it, my man. Look, I, I wish I had all the answers for you because it would mean that the Warriors would flip the script on this season because I want to see this team succeed. I want to see them do well. I want to see them play more games like they did tonight than they did uh, or than they have the majority of the season because they're still a team that's four games under 500. I do think they can get this thing kind of turned around in the sense of they have a few things they can still find out about this roster. And I know that they're older and you know we, we think we know a lot about these players, but I, I think really the biggest part of this is is the emergence of Jonathan Kaminga and the combination of him with Draymond Green being able to unlock or help glue the two forwards, right? Wiggins and Kaminga. I think the fact that J.K. is taking the third-year leap that, and quite literally, he's a dude jumping out the gym, but he's taking the third-year leap that everyone had hoped for. And I'm not really here to, to sit around and say, oh, well, he, this means he should have been in earlier and this should have happened earlier because I'm not one of those type of people. I'm here to appreciate what we're seeing now. And for me, Jonathan Kaminga looks like a guy that is playing with all the confidence in the world. It does not matter who's on the other end of the floor. It doesn't matter if Joel Embiid is in the paint. He's going to attack. It doesn't matter if he's guarding LeBron James. He's going to try and rip him. He's going to try and get in his jersey. It doesn't matter if there's an opposing team with, with some bigs that can protect the rim. He's going to try and play the way that he knows how. And right now, the way that he knows how to play is a whole hell of a lot better for the Warriors than anyone else at that position, I think, has been able to help them. Like, as much as I, I love that Wiggins has come around and he's playing consistent basketball, I think he's matching the energy of a guy like Kaminga because Kaminga, just with his play, is almost dragging it out of him. Like, this is the two-way type of wigs that we want to see on a more consistent basis. But Jonathan Kaminga, to me, has been the catalyst behind all of this. And he, to me, is is the guy that unlocks the five-man lineup. Like, don't get me wrong. When Curry plays well, the Warriors win, right? At the end of the day, they won this basketball game because Steph Curry had 25 points in the second half. He shot the hell out of the basketball. He had 37. Draymond Green was moving the ball up and down. But to me, what, what keeps it all together and really what elevates this particular starting five is the guy who's 21 years old, is the guy that can run like a deer, who can jump out of the gym, and who also now has been able to kind of channel that raw athletic talent while playing within himself. And for a seventh straight game, he scored 20 points. He is playing with efficiency. And it's kind of like some games are almost like a quiet 20. I mean, sometimes you look up, and I know he barely got there tonight, and it took him a final free throw to do so. But, I mean, Kaminga's a guy that is going to take a couple of threes here, a couple of threes there. It feels like the decision-making from Kaminga, not just offensively, but also where he is defensively, how he's fighting around screens, how he's getting hands in the passing lane. I know he had kind of a stupid technical tonight, uh, but for, for the most part, those... I guess, I don't know if antics is the proper word, but those kind of hot-headed, you know, getting in his own dome, um, 
rabbit ears type of moments have become less and less frequent for Kaminga. I thought we saw a lot of them his rookie season, some of them even last year, but this year he has taken leaps and bounds. He has been fantastic. And I love the fact that Kerr is now in a position where I think Kaminga grabbed the reins. Like, you hear this a lot in sports, and I think it does ring true even at the professional level. Like, if your coach isn't playing you, or if you don't feel like he's using the right, well, force him to not be able to take you out. And from the time that Kaminga stepped in against Portland in December and won that basketball game down the stretch of a game that was going nowhere, he has forced Steve Kerr to play him. And he's forced finally him to give him the minutes to be able to provide impact. I mean, just look at what he's done in recent games and the amount of total minutes that he's played. 39 minutes tonight, 43 minutes in double overtime against the Lakers, 30 minutes before that, 29, 29, 30. This guy is getting regular run in the NBA, and he deserves it. I mean, he's getting now, it looks like, 34 to 35 minutes a night. And that, in addition to helping the Warriors because he's playing well, I think also takes pressure off of someone like Draymond Green, who's got some heavier legs now that he's older. It takes pressure off of Steph Curry that when he's not on the floor, that Kaminga can be the catalyst and the force offensively. Sometimes when these older players, I think Steve Kerr has had to lean on them a little more than he should because either he hasn't trusted the young guys or the young guys haven't been able to provide consistently. But now Kaminga is doing that. Kaminga has established himself, and this is the really the big takeaway for me. Kaminga has established himself as the number two option on the Golden State Warriors. That was a question we could not answer for the majority of this season, right? We talk about who's the second best player on the Warriors. Well, is it Draymond? Eh, some nights. Is it Clay? No, oh, well, when he's shooting well. Is it Wiggins? Well, when he wants to, you know, activate himself when he when he when he's locked in. Is it Chris Paul? Well, you know, it's Chris Paul, but he comes off the bench. Who's the second best player? Who is the second option for the Golden State Warriors on a given night? I think it's obvious. It is Jonathan Kaminga, and he's solidified that now over the last seven games. Really, I think over now the last two months, dating back to the beginning, towards the beginning of December. You could even go back to that Boston game in which I thought he was unbelievably impactful during their biggest win so far at home this season, and he's continued to take the baton and run with it. All right, let's get our last call in before we have to hit a break here at the top of the hour. Uh, JC is in Castro Valley. What's going on, JC? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up. What's up, Evan? Hey, thanks for taking the call. First time caller here. Um, thanks, man. Man, I got to say, I'm a big I'm a big Looney fan, and uh, there's not a lot of talk about him. He's not contributing much right now. He's not getting a lot of minutes, but um, I'm hoping that, you know, if uh, GP2 gets back and is healthy and can bring some legs to the team and J.K. keeps running the way he's running and, you know, Wiggins uh, keeps bringing some energy. I mean, that's, that's a kind of a tall order to get all three of those. But if we get all that, Looney can get back to doing what he does. And I mean, we, we hear a lot about Draymond being a leader and a glue guy. But, man, you know, where's Looney? And uh, I'm hoping that he gets some good rest and uh, can come in and, and, you know, help shore it up. Um, I, I guess my last thought on that would be I hear a lot of talk over and over again for decades now, oh, Warriors got to get a big. I mean, they didn't say that much when Andrew Bogut was around, but aside from <laughs> him, pretty much that's been the conversation, and I, I just don't get it. We got four chips without, you know, with Bogut, 
and what David West, David Lee, like, you know, uh, anyway, that's my thought on that. Wanted, wanted to see what your thoughts was on, uh, Looney coming in and making more of an impact in the second half of the season. Thanks JC. Appreciate the call. I mean, I, I hope Looney can, I mean, that's a guy who has had some major playoff moments, 2020 games, um, or 20 rebound games in the postseason. He hasn't missed a game, and it feels like forever. Uh, good call on Yada to me on, on YouTube. Zaza, too. You know, the, yeah, you're right. The Warriors, JC, have not had an offensive-minded center, and that's not necessarily what I was proposing. You know, the, the guys that are out there, to me, are more of the Warriors' type of being able to provide interior defense, being able to clean the glass, being able to get out and run, and being guys who don't demand the ball. You know, unfortunately, the James Wiseman experiment didn't work out, but I think that was some evidence that kind of contributed to, to what we know, which is the Warriors don't need an offensive-minded center. I think there's been some reflection in that department as of late just because they haven't been able to get as much consistent offense, uh, and they haven't had as much of a paint presence. But I'm with you. As long as Steph is around... And he's playing at a high level, which, again, 37 points tonight, 25 in the second half. I, I don't think the Warriors need a traditional back-to-the-basket center. And and to be quite honest, that, that idea of a guy you throw the ball in the post to and just let him go to work, that those don't really exist anymore. I mean, look at Joel Embiid tonight. I know that a couple of my friends were texting me, and they were wondering why the hell Embiid was just settling for jump shots. Number one, I think it was because he wasn't 100%. I thought he was hurt. But I also think that that's who he is. Like, if you watch Embiid play, that dude eats 15 to 17 feet. If you go watch his 70-point game, yes, he was getting out on the break, and he was attacking the 10, and he was getting the free-throw line, which he did not tonight. And that was a category that stood out to me as well. Joel Embiid this evening, this is how you know he was hurt. He got to the line two times. That guy's a free-throw merchant. Like, he averages 11 free-throw attempts per game. He gets to the stripe whenever he wants to, and tonight it didn't look like he wanted to. But even him, he takes a lot of jump shots. He shoots threes. Nikola Jokic is someone that finishes around the rim, but he doesn't just back people down and go to the basket unless the situation demands him to. He can do it, but he's got floaters. He's got touch around the rim. He's got a jump shot. So offensive-minded centers don't just have to be back-to-the-basket players. And the ones that I think the Warriors would identify and try and bring in at the trade deadline, to me, are more guys that are like Kevon Looney. Or they might also decide that Trace Jackson Davis is someone that they would rather give more minutes to if Kevon doesn't seem like he's someone that is going to be able to figure this thing out. But the Warriors themselves are trying to figure this thing out, and uh, we're looking forward to getting deeper into this thing. Want to take a break here on Warriors Wrap-Up, come back with our final segment. Want to hear from Steve Kerr, also get to our hardest worker of the game and our extending the three-point line highlight. All that is coming your way on Warriors Wrap-Up. Don't go anywhere. If you have a question, if you want to talk about the game, if you were there, if you want to react to it, if you want to talk about how, again, a couple of questions that I've posed here on Warriors Wrap-Up to me, if Andrew Wiggins' stock is rising, does that mean it's for the Warriors? Does it mean it's for someone else? Uh, do you like Steve Kerr's commitment to the starting lineup? Do you see that paying off in the near future? Do you think Draymond Green is back? Do you think that Jonathan Kaminga is the second option for this Golden State Warriors basketball team and should be moving forward? 
888-957-9570 is the number. We're going to step aside, be back with more. Evan Giddings with you here on Warriors Wrap-Up. We're back on 95.7 The Game after this. Draymond fakes the handoff, drives hard, gets bumped by Reed, goes up hard and scores, gets the foul call, and is going to go to the line, chance for a three-point play. For the impact of Draymond Green on the offensive side since he's come back has been remarkable. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. Tim Roy on the call there, as he always is for the Golden State Warriors on 95.7. The game talking about Draymond Green now plus 83 in 152 minutes since he's come back from suspension. Was a plus 18 again tonight. Also a big reason that Curry was getting loose in the second half. 25 points, scores 37 for the game as the Golden State Warriors defeat the Philadelphia 76ers, the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, by a final score of 119-107. This is Warriors Wrap-Up here on 95.7 The Game. My name is Evan Giddings. We appreciate you tuning in. And it brings us to our hardest worker of the game, who I believe tonight, to me, there's actually a couple places you could go with this. uh, But to me, I think the hardest worker of the game, I thought it was Andrew Wiggins. I know he's, he played slightly one, one less minute than Jonathan Kaminga, but I thought that he was working hard on both ends of the floor. I thought he was helping. I thought he was moving the ball. Also got a couple of steals in this game. And I thought that Wiggins, along with the rest of that lineup, to me, was wholly engaged. And it's really pr- probably the most engaged that I've seen Andrew Wiggins throughout this season, especially following other extended performances of consistency. Five straight games with double digits now for him. 23 points tonight on just 10 shots. Made all six of his free throws as he got to the stripe more than anybody on the floor tonight. And for that reason, he is our hardest worker of the game. Brought to you by the Alameda County Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. Are you looking for a career in law enforcement? Learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. If you feel like Wiggins' stock is on the rise, perhaps for the Warriors, perhaps for another team as the trade deadline approaches. We're taking your any and all calls. Finals calls here on the final segment on Warriors wrap-up at 95.7 The Game um, on our YouTube chat. Also, of course, 888-957-9570 is the number of the Comcast business text line. Uh, we see you from the 510. Great win, but let's not ignore the fact that Curry had five turnovers. He had four in the first half. They're pretty sloppy. In fact, there was one where he just like took it out of balance. He threw it right to Joel Embiid, and you knew as soon as it left his hands, he put his hands over his face and said, oh, my goodness, he had a turnover off an inbounds play, I think. No, you're right. <laughs> we can't ignore the five turnovers, but I'm willing to look past it. How about that? I'm willing to look past the five turnovers because he gave us 25 points in the second half. And as Steph Curry goes again, so do the Warriors. When he scores 35 or more, they win six of eight times so far this season. Which brings us, Sterling Bennett, to our extending the three-point line. Curry stepped back, three off the dribble, hits another one. Curry's been fantastic tonight. He's got 33 points. And Stephen Curry, 30 in each of his last three games. And that is Tim Roy on the call and extending the three-point line brought to you by West Coast Men's Health, successfully treating men for ED and chronic pain. Visit West Coast Men's Health. Dot com. Promise that we get you Steve Kerr before we get up out of here. Here's what the head coach for the Golden State Warriors had to say about the 119 to 107 victory. A much needed win, by the way, against the Philadelphia 76ers. Here's Steve Kerr. You know that Clay was going to be out, and how did that obviously have affected the rotations? Did you have to do a drastic change to what you were planning? 
Uh, not a drastic change. I found out about an hour before the game, uh, Yodes texted me and Clay wasn't feeling well. So um, pretty easy choice to put Brandon in with that group. And um, and then obviously that bumped up, um, you know, uh, Lester and he got some some minutes and and uh, Corey Joseph played, um, you know, behind BP. And so everybody uh, stepped up and and did a good job. You got 47 combined from Wiggins and Kaminga. How how different does this team, the dynamic of this team, feel now that those two pretty clearly can play together? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Draymond really uh, changed things with his return because uh, he connects those guys uh, at both ends of the floor, just with his uh, communication defensively, and then you know the way he helps get us organized offensively. So um, great to see Wiggs and J.K. both uh, playing uh, so well and playing um, playing well together and. Uh, it's fun. You, you can see the team is um, we're shifting a little bit, you know, with the look, uh, how we're playing and, and uh, who we're playing. And um, tonight, I know Philly was shorthanded, but I thought it was a, a really good defensive effort uh, from our guys. I was going to ask about that. How did you feel about overall about your defense? It's yeah, a lot of lot of second efforts. Um, you know, some deflections, some loose balls. Uh, J.K. dove on a loose ball uh, fourth quarter that led to a, a layup and a timeout. I thought that was a key play. Um, I thought Wiggs was um, was everywhere. Um, Raymond put the uh, box score from the Laker game the other night up here, so I don't know exactly what happened um, in tonight. Did we win? Okay, thanks. Um, Brett Winkler would have had the right um, box score up here but you know that's I just gotta live with the guy that that's here uh, with with Andrew uh, in particular on the offensive end of the floor what's clicked for him the last couple of games and what are you liking about the looks he's getting I, I think Wiggs has been better for about a month I, we saw with his defense with his movement um, but I think what's happening now the last few games is oh thank you <laughs> better late than never um, I just think Wiggs is uh, Wiggs' defense um, has been good, like I said, for a month or so. But offensively, um, with the lineup change, there's a little more space um, the way we're playing, and, and um, we're able to play a little bit faster. And he's you can see he's getting downhill, getting to the rim. He's uh, doing some things that are very comfortable for him. So he's really starting to get into a good groove. Now, Steve Kerr, head coach of the Golden State Warriors, after their 12-point win against the Sixers here tonight. And I, I agree you know, to me, I, I don't know if I'd go back as far as to say a month of Wiggins playing, you know, at, at this level, but he's definitely looked a lot more consistent. Um, I mean, his season high is 31 points. He didn't match that tonight, but I thought the efficiency with which he played with the mentality, it has been a little bit different as of late. And I think it really contributes to the whole point about the starting five. That to me was the starting point of this game. The biggest pregame comment from Steve Kerr in this game to me was, we are committed, or we are going to commit to that lineup of Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Kaminga, and Draymond. And lo and behold, tonight that starting five is paying off. It's paying dividends for Steve Kerr. Now we'll see. They got a five-game road trip coming up, and that to me is the true test of this starting five because you got Memphis, a team you should beat on Friday. You got Atlanta, a team you probably should beat on Saturday. And you got Brooklyn, who is a tough team, and they have some wings, and they have some length and size. But you were able to beat them here at home. Let's see if they can go do that at the Barclays Center. So how does this starting five travel? I'm not necessarily 
willing to say that all of a sudden the woes are corrected. There's still game. There's still four games below 500, but this road trip is going to be a test for that unit and specifically for the three guys. Um, really, the four guys, not named Steph Curry, but Clay, Wiggins, Kaminga, and then Draymond. How do they all play together? How do they complement each other and continue to do so? Jonathan Kaminga has scored double digits, has scored 20 points in seven straight games. He's now the fifth youngest player in NBA history to have seven consecutive games with 20-plus points on 50-plus percent shooting. Andrew Wiggins has scored double digits in five straight games. I'm looking at Draymond Green, who's a plus 83 in 152 minutes since he's come back from his suspension, plus 18 again tonight. He has activated Stephen Curry, who's now scored 30 or more points in three straight games. When Steph scores 30, they are 12-7. and seven. When he scores 35 or more like he did tonight, they are 6-2. and two. They clearly like having Draymond Green back. Steve Kerr's commitment to this starting lineup is clearly beginning to pay off. But how do they go on the road, and how can they continue this against beatable teams, against winnable opponents, and a five-game road trip right before the trade deadline. It could come down to the wire of whether or not the Warriors want to break this piece, break this thing up, whether they want to move on from some guys, whether they want to bring in different pieces. But if they play well, if this starting five plays well, and I think it's had the largest potential for them all season long, it's going to be very difficult to make moves at the deadline that shake that up. Is it going to be more of a bench addition? Is it going to be someone like Chris Paul and his contract going out? Or is it going to be someone like Andrew Wiggins that they try and move off of? I don't know. But all I know is tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers, that starting five looked very good. At times, even looked dominant. Even though Joel Embiid was less than 100%, they didn't have Tyrese Maxey, I thought they made Tobias Harris work in this game. They made Kelly Oubre work in this game. They made Joel Embiid even settle and work in this basketball game. So a nice home win for the Golden State Warriors. Now 20-24. and 24, Still in 12th place in the Western Conference, uh, but that's the kind of win that you want to go on to a five-game road trip, five road uh, game trip with and try and build some momentum. So we're looking forward to that. And we're looking forward to seeing whether or not this is an optimistic point in the season or whether... It's fool's gold because we've been at this point before, right? Even at points where the Warriors had a five-game win streak and they came cratering back down to earth. So we're hoping that this can be a point in the season which the starting five, one of the 13th or 14th editions of it, can be the one that sticks and can be the reason why the Golden State Warriors begin to turn this thing around in a direction towards a play-in tournament, towards a postseason spot. Because again, they don't have their first-round pick this year. They can't go downwards. And they also can't give up on this season, and they can't really go anywhere but forward, right? They just got to get some big shovels and try and dig themselves out of this hole. That is the al- that is the only alternative for the Golden State Warriors at this point of the season, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they do on the road. So that'll bring us uh, to a close here on Warriors Wrap-Up. My name is Evan Giddings. I really appreciate everyone that called in. Really love the rapport, the back and forth, the questions that everyone brings to the table. Everyone in the YouTube chat, whether we agree, whether we disagree, I enjoy the candor. I enjoy giving my opinions. I enjoy hearing yours. And I enjoy talking about the team that we all want to succeed, which is the Golden State Warriors. So uh, also a shout-out to the Comcast Business Text Line, everyone that has texted in. I read your text. I appreciate them. Again, we are all together trying to figure this thing out. I appreciate you on the First NorCal Credit Union YouTube and Twitch chat. 
Thanks for everyone who called in. We'll come back to you again. It's going to be on Friday. Got to wait a little bit. But the Golden State Warriors will be back in action at 5 o'clock. Warriors Live will be at 4 o'clock on Friday. The Memphis Grizzlies, last time the Warriors were there on MLK Day, it, it did not go well. So they're hoping that they can right that wrong as they get this thing rolling after a 119-107 victory this evening against the Philadelphia 76 a big thank you to our network coordinator, Sterling Bennett, in studio. Everyone helping producing, as well as cutting up this bad boy, bad boy back in our 95.7 The Game studios. From Chase Center, my name is Evan Gidding, saying so long one last time. Warriors victorious against the 76ers, 119-107. We'll talk to you on Friday. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you down the road. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.